welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Tonight, leave the light on. Uh, we just wrapped up our series a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to dive into a new message tonight. Leave the light on. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It's a passage that's usually associated with Christmas, actually, uh, because of the birth of Jesus. But here's what it says The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This, of course, is a messianic prophetic promise of Jesus who would come. Uh, this was written in Isaiah something like 500 years before Christ. And, uh, and, and this is as Isaiah is writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's speaking to a time when Jesus would come. The Word would become flesh. Jesus would come uh, and, and come to rescue us, seek and save that which is lost. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Aren't you glad that he rescued you and came for you? And uh, here he describes several names uh, that we may get into later in the month as we, as we talk about the story of Christmas. But here I want us to focus on verse 2. This is actually quoted later in the Gospels, and it says, Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And it's uh, no mystery that the light it's talking about is the presence of Jesus. He is the light of the world. Jesus said, As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus came to bring light in the midst of darkness. He came to bring hope where there had been no hope. He didn't come just to, to you know, here's, here's the thing that the world of course is dealing with the consequence of a decision to rebel against God right in the garden that that from the beginning of mankind's fall death came sin came and the world has been in darkness as a result but Jesus came to bring light in the midst of darkness he didn't come to be light where there was already light he came heaven's full of light there's no darkness in the presence of God he is uh, without a shadow of turning God is always good and he's always faithful people disappoint people hurt us people do all kinds of things we all do that we're, we're imperfect but God himself is perfect and he is the father Father of lights, and so he sent Jesus not to be light where there's already light, but to be light in the midst of the dark. John chapter 1 gives a statement about the light of Jesus, and I want to read it from two different translations. I love this. Verse 5 in the New Living Translation says, a light, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. See, you, you don't serve a God who's ever on defense. <laughs> You don't serve a God who's ever moved or worried about what's going on in the world. Uh, he's not moved. He's already seen the end. He's not only seen the end from the beginning, he's declared how it's going to work out. And he's declared the victory is already the answer. And he's already provided a way. Uh, but I want you to see this because darkness oftentimes overwhelms us. We're overwhelmed by what's happening around us, maybe personally, in our family, our communities, our nation. We look at things a certain way because of the way they are to our eyes. But here's the reality. Jesus brings light, and darkness can never overcome it. And because you have Jesus, you have everything you need to overcome. 
Because you have Jesus, you have everything you need to walk in freedom, walk in peace, walk in wholeness. Jesus is the answer. He always has been. He always will be. Darkness can never extinguish it. Uh, the Williams translation, kind of an obscure one, but I, I love the way it says, says this. So the light continues to shine in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it. The darkness has never overpowered it. So I got three simple points for you tonight. Number one is this. We are called out of the dark. We are called out of the dark. So, so this is uh, just today. Uh, we we darkened the one window over on this side to kind of help reduce some of the spill light into the room uh, as we're kind of prepare, making the stage. You know, it kind of create a better atmosphere for worship and all that. So anyway, um, one of the the side effects to having a dark corner is when you put a black table with a black tablecloth, it's a lot harder to see. And so I had just, you know, the other day had just set it there, and there's usually enough light, you know, just from ambient light. We have security light in here on off hours that normally covers that, but I had shut all that off, and I'm in the room just kind of praying, getting ready for tonight, and I uh, happened to forget that I had a uh, table uh, right there around the corner, and uh, about, you know, cracked my hand open and <laughs> did a few things, ran right into it. Because, you know, when it's dark, you don't see what's coming. Uh, and, and you can't see what's ahead of you. I, I had a few years ago, I worked at uh, a youth center in downtown Phoenix. It was, uh, I'll just say this, it was the worst neighborhood in the entire city as far as crime, uh, the murder rate, gang activity. We were kind of on the border of two major gangs that were, uh, that were uh, regularly fighting, having issues. And, uh, and so a lot, of, a lot of our kids that we served in this youth center were uh, had you know family involved in either side of those gangs, so we were kind of the neutral territory. But just where we were, I'd spent a few years there working and, and mostly doing ministry. Uh, but while I'm there, I'd one night I, I would close up. We closed up late at night because it was an after-school program, and so we closed up late at night. And one night, I happened to be the last staff member there, and uh, and I, I'm trying to set the alarm to the building before I leave. And the alarm won't set because one of the doors was left open. So then I have to go through the whole facility and try to find the right door. And it was one on the other side of our gymnasium. And so trying to kind of, I'll say, just save time. Uh, I think, you know, Jen and I just got married, so I was in a hurry to go see my beautiful bride. And so I, I have this, see the door across the gym is cracked open. And rather than turning on the lights to the gym to see where I was going, I decided to kind of jog over at a very brisk speed to the door, partly because I was also trying to get out of there as soon as I could. So I'm running over and don't realize somebody has left a metal folding chair in the middle of the basketball court. Now, when I say I was jogging, I was actually running at a pretty good speed because I was trying to hurry and, and run over there. So, so needless to say, uh, me contacting that thing at full speed didn't go well. And uh, I found myself on the ground uh, holding my kneecap that was probably almost in two pieces at that point. But uh, the point is, you got to be careful in the dark. And, uh, and so you've got to know where you're going. You've got to see it. <laughs> so we've got a dog. Um, pray for me. This dog is really a sweet dog, and it started out sweet because we got it uh, never by a dog that's recently had surgery, because it's, it's, it's part, partly not conscious, and you don't know how hyper it's going to be. So we, we had rescued this dog from a shelter. His name's Hunter. Um, we'd rescued this dog. He's my wife's dog. Uh, that's why we still have him. Anyway. And always will. Uh, no, but so we, we you know, rescued him and just recently had his, you know, surgery. And, and so, so he's kind of lo barely lucid. Uh, but he's, we think, this is the most mellow dog ever. Well, a couple days later, it wore off. But for the most part, he's pretty mellow. But I, this, this happened, I think, like seven, eight months ago. 
I get them down to the basement, and I decide, this is what dads do, I lock my kids in the basement with me, and we're going to play tag in the dark. And so we cut all the lights off, but I didn't know that turning all the lights off would not scare my dog, but would turn him into Cujo. Some of y'all know who Cujo is. Okay. So, so my, my sweet little dog turns into Cujo, but he's playing. He just gets a lot more aggressively playing when he's in the dark, apparently. And so I'm now deciding between do I, do I protect my kids or tackle the dog or how do I even do this? But thankfully, it was just, he was just playing. So, uh, but he sounded pretty aggressive. So, so something happens in the dark that doesn't happen otherwise. You got to see where you're going. First Peter 2.9 says this, you are a chosen generation. He's talking about you, church. He's talking about believers. He says, you are a chosen generation. You have been chosen by God, a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people. So even in, in the midst of the world, in the midst of no matter what your story has been, no matter who rejected you, uh, forgot you, turned away from you, God's chosen you. You are a chosen generation, assigned and called by God for his special purpose. Watch what it says. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you where? Out of the darkness into his marvelous light. He called us out of the dark into into his light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy before Jesus, but now we have obtained mercy. So he says, he, he, Peter then begins to, to say, the apostle tells him, in light of what God has called you out of, in light of how he saved you, forgave you, redeemed you, set you free, gave you purpose and identity, he says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims in this world, abstain from f- uh, fleshly lusts which war against your soul. So, so he says, don't pursue things that are contrary to the nature and life of God in you, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good work works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. There's a whole lot there, but he's just saying, listen, he said, you have, you're a chosen generation. You have a purpose from God. Don't settle for less. Don't pursue. Don't live in the dark when you're called to the light. Don't live pursuing things that are that war against your soul that are actually destructive and harmful when you're called to light as a believer. Ephesians 5, Paul says something very similar in verse 8. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Philippians 2, uh, as, as Paul really gives a, I think, one of the most beautiful pictures of the descension of Jesus from heaven to earth, who, who is who is who is co-equal, co-eternally, uh, God incarnate, he's, he's God, the word became flesh, Jesus, God's son came, born in a manger, and, and we, 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 we know the story because of Christmas, we sing the carols, we've heard it so much that I think we forget the magnitude of that, that God himself humbled himself, that Jesus came to rescue us, and in so doing, actually, it says he emptied himself, in Philippians 2, of his divine rights and privileges and humbled himself, not just to be born in a manger, but to die on a criminal's cross, to take our sin, to take our place, that God would, that's, that's the greatest picture of humility. And Paul, as he's describing this, he's using that as an example to say, walk in that humility, Walk in that character. Walk like Jesus. That's the only way as the church we can be a light. The only way we can do what God's called us to do is that we together walk like Jesus, that we're willing to humble ourselves and follow God, that sometimes we're willing to lay down an agenda to pick up his assignment. 
And so here's what he says. Therefore, verse 12, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not only my presence only, but much more my absence, being Paul as their spiritual father, says you're, you're still honoring God even though I'm away. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Now, before we get into the rest of this, this isn't where I want to spend most of our time, but I, I love this picture. He's, he's describing what happens in your relationship with God as we work outwardly what God has done in us. So I've, I've, I've preached this recently, talking about our series, Transform. If you missed it, you can get the podcast. But, but how God's word is placed in our life. The Holy Spirit works in us. That, that God works in us to transform us from the inside out. And so it's not merely that we just have external forces saying this is how we should act or this is what we should do. But the Holy Spirit on the inside of you begins a transforming work. God is working in you two things, to will and to do. So not only does he want us to do what he's called us to do and to obey his word and honor his word, but he actually gives us the desire to carry it out. Are are you with me? So it's one thing to do it. It's a whole other thing to like doing it, to have a good attitude about it. Anybody got working on your heart there? Okay. Sometimes I need that, you know. Uh, speaking of my dog, you know, he's, he's, he decides that he has to be let outside, like, at, in the middle of the night, and I forget how much I love him at that point. <laughs> and, and eventually, I have, to, I have to let him out, just because my wife jabs me, let the dog out, you know. And so, so, out of my love for my wife, I, I let the dog out, you know, and because I still love, because I love my wife, I let the dog back in. Anyway, I don't know why I'm preaching about the dog so much, but here's, here's the thing. God works, God works in you to will and to do. And this is the point. So, so, so there's some things even in my life where I'm praying, God, I know that I'm, this is how you want me to walk out. You know, this is, how, this is an area I need help in. And so I'll pray, God, help, work in me to will and to do it. Not just to do it, but to, but to have the desire to honor and to follow and obey in this area. So he says, verse 14, this is a good one. Do all things without complaining or disputing. Um, as I'm preparing for this message, I like had like three or four times where I kept kept catching myself complaining because apparently when you preach something, you've got to live it first. No, no. So, so here's the thing. He says, "Do all things without disputing or complaining." Why? Now watch the next verse. Uh, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse, twisted. That's what that word "perverse" means to twist outside of its original design. Uh, crooked and perverse generation, among whom you, the church, shine as lights in the world. This is, this is huge. I, I, I've, you know, I really believe this is the greatest opportunity we've had in our generation to be a light in the world. And the darker things are, the greater the opportunity. I, I'm just telling you. Problems are actually opportunities. And so we, we complain because we're more preoccupied with the problem instead of the opportunity for, to see God do something. To, to recognize that God is, see, when, when life is at its worst, God is at his best. When, when the world is at its worst, God is at his best. And so I believe we're going to see the greatest thing in our generation that we've ever seen God do, but it's oftentimes in the midst of and even right in front of God. You see, listen, in Psalm 23, we like, you know, Lord, you're my shepherd. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the, that's the part everybody likes. It's the through the valley of the shadow of death part where it's like, well, is there another way? <laughs> but he ends it with this. He says, you prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. See, sometimes I'd rather not have the presence of the enemies. I'd rather just have them do it. But God likes to write in, he likes to bless you right in front of the thing that's tried to take you out. He likes to heal your marriage right in front of the force of the enemy that tried to tear it apart. He likes to restore your life. He likes to put on display, not just for a testimony to people, which we need, because that stirs faith. But can I just tell you that God puts on display what he does in your life, because he's letting the devil know that he couldn't undo, he couldn't stop what God was doing in you. And so we are in a generation, though, and it's, it's honestly, I want to read this to you, because Isaiah 520 tells us this has been happening for a long time. Sometimes we get this kind of mindset that, like, somehow, you know, in, in our day, like, things are worse than they've ever been in all of human history. Uh, that's actually not true. But I'll just tell you this, human nature apart from God, apart from the influence of the kingdom, and, and we've lived in an extended season where even people without God, especially, you know, in, in parts of the world, have, been, have benefited from the influence of the kingdom, indirectly. And, and, and so, so sometimes you have a society that, that benefits because there's godly influence in it, even though not everybody's a Christian yet. Are, are you with me? And so, but when you have an absence of God, you have things like what's on this verse. It says this, that he says, woe to those that call evil good and good evil. So what does it mean to have a crooked and perverse generation? There's something about a life without God that it tries to call good what is actually contrary to the nature of God. Are are you with me? And so that's why there's a lot of stuff where you go, what in the world, people are like, what is going on? Well, it's, it's, just, it's people trying to live apart from God, but here's what, this is an opportunity for the church not to, dive, not, not to allow darkness to change the light, but to allow the light in the midst of the dark to set captives free. So, so what does this mean? So, so the world, you know, thinks we don't need family, marriage, we don't need those things. Let's, let's show the world what a kingdom marriage can be. Let's show the world what a family that serves and honors God looks like. Let's show the world what, let, let, let's, rather than just go, oh, it's so bad, they don't, you know. How about we do the stuff we say we believe? Because light is attractive, but it has to be turned on. There has to be light in the midst of darkness. And as the church, we have a tendency to pull away from places we're called to. To hide the light. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then he goes to heaven. You know, in the Beatitudes, his great sermon on the mount, he says, you are the, he's talking to his people, he says, you are the light of the world. Why? Because his people have him. As believers, we're called to reflect. Just like the moon reflects the light of the sun, our greatest calling in life is to reflect Jesus to the people in the world around us. So, so I should be reflecting Jesus everywhere I go. And that doesn't mean I have to preach Bible verses at every single person I work with. And, you know, listen, it does mean that I'm to be a light in every place. It's not like, you know, okay, I've got Jesus on Sunday and the rest of the week, you know, I flip that switch off. But if I allow God to influence and affect every area of my life, his light will set captives free. So let's, let's, let's go to this. Matthew 6 is actually right after he gives a sermon on, or a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus said, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, or in King James, single, he says, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. Therefore, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he's saying, 
Listen, if, if you're God's people, if we're God's people, and what should be light is actually full of darkness, that's actually a contradiction. And, and not only is it a contradiction, but the darkness is actually worse. Okay. And here's what he says in the next verse. No one can serve two masters, for he'll hate the one, love the other. He'll, he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon being a, a word that doesn't just mean money, but it means a, a really an idolatrous greed for riches. And so the picture, though, he's giving is he says, if your eye's single, your focus and your attention is, is, is on the right thing, your, your life will be full of light. So here's why this is important. Because as a Christian, whatever I focus on, I become. Whatever I behold, I become. Whatever I give my time, my attention to is going to most influence my own heart and life. So that's why it's so important, no matter how much I know of God's word, I've got to be in it every day. No matter how much I, I, I've prayed, I want to spend time with Jesus because I can't love like he does without his help. And as I spend time and I behold him, what ends up coming from my life isn't darkness but more of his light. And so the key there is what I'm beholding, what I'm focusing on. That's why he says you can't serve two things, you can't serve two masters. You've got to have your focus and your attention on the main thing. God's light also reveals, and, and that to some people, including many of us, is a scary thing sometimes. The reason we hide in the dark is because we're afraid to bring to light, because we're afraid of what people might think. I had this years ago, I was on a staff that was a lot of great people that loved God, but it wasn't a group that trusted each other very much. And we had this pastor come in from, uh, actually joined our staff later, but he came in and did a little workshop with our team. And, and as he's asking questions, he's, he's asking questions about the culture of our team and, and our workplace. And we're all Christians. Most of us were in ministry, actually, which was funny, too. But he says... You know, he would ask a question, and nobody wanted to answer because everyone was afraid of giving the wrong answer. Like, if I say the wrong thing, everyone's going to judge me. If I say the wrong thing, I'm going to be on a list. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was, by the end of this discussion, this pastor actually said, the guy who was leading the workshop, he says, I can tell there's not a lot of trust in this room. Why? Because people were afraid to come to the light. Hey, you know what? I've been, I've been really struggling here. I need help here in this area. They were, they were, they were rather than be vulnerable, because that's what being in the light does, it makes you vulnerable, it's easier to hide. The problem with that is what we don't bring to the light, we actually empower in the dark. And so whatever, and, and that starts with my relationship with God. Whatever, that's why he says to confess to him. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why does he say to do that? Because he can't heal what I won't reveal. And when I bring it to God, I'm one, taking responsibility, but also saying, God, I'm, I need your help. And I'm willing to bring it. And when, here's what I found. The moment I can bring something to light in the dark, it seems so impossible to overcome. But in the light, you realize how, how insignificantly weak it actually is in the light of God's presence. 
So, so, so let's not allow things to bind us, hide us, uh, keep us. There's, there's a great story. Um, I've shared it before, but Jesus is in a synagogue teaching, and while he's there, there's a man with a withered hand, and he's hiding in the back of the room. And Jesus says to the man, he, he, says, he says, come forward. So the man comes forward, and he says, stretch out your hand. And Jesus, could Jesus have healed him with his hand tucked away? I don't know. I'm sure he can. He can do anything. But here's the point. God was after more than just the miracle of healing. He was after healing this man's heart. Because you can get healing in your body and not in your mind and your heart. And so God's after the whole person. So, so Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And as he's stretching out his withered hand that everybody knows about outside of the synagogue, but in the synagogue you had to, in the church, in the place where God's people would meet, you had to hide what you were dealing with. And so when he stretched out his hand, listen, you reveal it to God, he'll heal it. Stop, don't run from it, don't hide it, don't bury it, don't, you know, there's a difference. I think I shared that Sunday, we prayed about this, but there's a difference between I'm, I'm ignoring or I'm, I'm not thinking about or dwelling on an issue, and there's a difference between that and actually saying, God, I'm bringing this to you. Because I can, like, let's say I'm, I'm dealing with unforgiveness towards somebody. If I don't bring it to God, I'm not really dealing with it. I'm just going, oh, it's not a big deal. Well, if I'm holding on to it, it's a big deal. <laughs> Not because of the size or insignificance or significance of what was happened. It has everything to do with what I don't deal with. And so that's why we've got to bring that to God. And, and as the church, we pray for each other. That's so important. Uh, get somebody in your corner that'll pray with you, that'll stand with you, that, that you can be real with, that you can open. That's what our city groups are for. That's why we, uh, next, we have another semester coming around in mid-January for our new city group launch. Get ready for those because if you're not in a group or connected, make sure you're doing life with somebody that you can say, hey, I need prayer. I need help. I need, I need God to move and intervene in an area of my life. I need, don't ever do life alone. Okay, number two. Oh, I already said this, but number two is God is at his best when the world is at its worst. See, this is so important, church. We, we need to be the difference. And, and Jesus told his apostles, he sends them out, first the 12, then he would send out 70, and then he commissions the whole church. And he, his first commission to them, as he sends them out to the house of Israel, he says, he says here's what you're going to do. You're going to tell them the kingdom of God's near at hand. So preach the message. But then do something with what you've been given. So he says, you know, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Pastor, what's my purpose? There you go. Do those things. Well, well, I mean, who am I supposed to marry? Well, whoever God brings into your life, marry them, and then go do that together. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> but here's what he tells them, Matthew 10, 8. Freely you've received, freely give. We, do, you, do you know that we've been given a lot in Jesus? And as we've been given freely, we're to give it away. As I've been given grace, I give it away. As I've been given forgiveness, I give it away. As I've been given joy, I have some joy to give away. As I receive God's peace, I have peace to give away. As I receive his hope, I have hope to give away. Freely you've received, but he doesn't just say you receive. What I receive is meant to be given. And in the times that we're in, I'm telling you, church, 
This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to be the church, not just attend church. This is the, the greatest opportunity, I think, in our lifetime. I said this at the beginning, when, when, right before we moved here, was we moved here in April 2020. Anybody remember anything going on in April 2020? Nothing major? Okay. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. We're still traumatized. <laughs> the 14 days that never ended. Anyway. And so, so... But right before that, I remember recording a message for our church in Florida before we were moving to let them know this, is, this can be the greatest moment of the church. And, and, and so, you know, I hear from church leaders all the time, Christians all the time, you know, we're, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's Listen, this is the greatest opportunity, I believe, to see God move in our lifetime because we've been given so much and we have an opportunity. If there's a lot of negativity around you, hey, be the difference. You know, God may bring you another job. I've been there. <laughs> but until he does, be salt and light right where you're at. Be salt and light. Be the one to, bring, be the one to make the difference. <laughs> I wrote this in my notes. Some of you got to punch the devil in the eye and bless somebody else. You know, I think the reason why a lot of people are miserable is they're just too focused on themselves. You know, all the devil needs to do to get me in a bad place is just get me to focus on me. But when I get past that and begin to freely give what I've received, it changes everything. Now, let me just speak to something because I, I think a lot of people kind of disqualify themselves in their own mind. 2 Corinthians 4 Verse, verse 5, Paul says, we don't preach ourselves. <laughs> there, there's a whole sermon right there. Uh, we're not the message. We're not preaching us. We're not building a brand. Um, but, but we preach Jesus. Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves servants for Jesus' sake, bond servants. For it is God who commanded, listen to this, it's God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Well, for God to use me, I've got to be perfect. No, that's, that's not the way it works. For God to use me, I've got to have the entire Bible memorized. For, for God to use me, I've got to get five MDivs. <laughs> So before, for God to use me, I've got to arrive. No, that's not the way it works. We have in our mind, well, one day I'll serve God. One day I'll do what I'm called to do when this happens, when that happens. No, no. Why don't you let God use you right where you're at with what you have? If you're waiting for everything to work out, for you to give God your yes, you'll be waiting a long time. But if you'll use what God has given, I mean, I, I, that very place that I was, I cracked my knee in the gym. I remember that time. I've shared this before, but I, I, I was there literally for three years praying, God, you've called me to ministry. Where is it, God? You've got to help me. Um, Brian, let me help you. There's ministry all around you because there's hurting people. I go, oh, God, thank you. <laughs> you helped my perspective. And suddenly, rather than complaining about my environment, I started praying for God to move in my environment. 
what if, what if I've got three children? Can I just tell you, I'm not a perfect dad. My kids aren't perfect kids. I won't, I won't say anything about my wife. She's not here. She'll get the podcast. Okay. But, but here, we're not perfect. This isn't a perfect church. It never will be because there's imperfect people in it. But, you know, we have a Jesus. We have treasure in earthen vessels. He's saying we're, we're clay vessels. Some of us are cracked. Some of us have some areas that are a little broken. Some of us have some places that he's had to repair a little bit. And it may not, there, not everything looks like it fits perfectly, but it's what we carry that's the light and hope of the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have this treasure. Church, you have treasure on the inside of you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the glory may be of him and not of us, he says. So, so, so if you're worried about, you know, man, my past is too messy. What if, you know, can I just tell you, sometimes it's through the cracks that the light shines the best. So let God use your story instead of running from your story. Let God use your testimony. Let God use what he's, he's done in your life to be a light to other people. We have this treasure. Now, can I just say this? Here's what he says in verse 8 and 9. Jason, if you want to get ready. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side. You know what I, I, I really feel? This, this is where my pastor hat for a minute. I feel like a lot of Christians are just getting discouraged. They're discouraged because of what they personally are walking through. Now, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just tell you, this is my approach because I've, this has been my story of years of ministry. I, I remember a while ago, this is before, this is way back, this is probably 10 years ago, I was walking through one of the most difficult seasons of my life and ministry. And some people around me knew how bad it was. And of myself, I couldn't do it. But I would get alone with Jesus. <laughs> if I did anything right, it was don't quit, go be with Jesus. And he had to put some pieces together. Okay, I've got a broken vessel. God, you got to do something. And he'd start, okay, let's work on that. Let's put it. And I'd, I'd find healing stepping into light. Healing as I would worship, as I would pray, as I'd spend time in the Word, as I would just get alone with God. And I remember people at the time saying, you know, man, you got a smile on your face. And on the inside, I'm going, I, I, I'm surprised that's coming across. <laughs> I'm glad you're saying that, you know. And it wasn't, I don't believe in, you know, somebody just told me this uh, yesterday, you know, uh, or a couple days ago, you know, they, the fake it till you make it kind of thing, like just try to put on a good face. And you know, that's that, I don't believe in that. That's not what I was doing. I would be with Jesus, and he'd heal. And nothing had changed it on the outside, but I found in moments like that that God is always good and always faithful. And, and just don't quit. Just go be with Jesus. But here's what Paul said. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. The enemy wants to extinguish the light that you carry. He wants to bottle it up. He wants to bury it. He wants you to hide it. We're perplexed, but we're in, not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And even the toughest things I've ever walked through don't even come close to what Paul has. And he says, listen, in all of this, we're not crushed. We're not forsaken. Why? God's with us. 
He's going to help us. We have a treasure that the world needs. Third and final point, it's not over. Keep the light on. I, I had to change my third point because it was going to be, it's not over until the fat angel sings, but I had to. <laughs> we have a couple people in the church that post their notes, and I figured that probably wouldn't look good on Facebook. Anyway, it'll probably still end up there anyway. Okay, it's all right. Can I tell you, I, I, I've talked about this before, and I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I had wished I had been that. I wish I had lived up to that. I wish I had been light in my workplace or with my family. Or I w- you know. But you know what I love about God? Is he's a God that meets us right where we're at. And I love this declaration. One last verse. I want to give this to you. Because this may not even be for you about doing what God's called you. This may be just about getting back up. And it's a declaration in the book of Micah. Here's what it says. Don't rejoice over me, my enemy. I, I, I think the church needs to declare this. I think a lot of people need to start declaring this. I, need, I think we need to get this on the inside of us until we get our fight back until we get our prayer life back, until we, get our, we pick up the sword of God's word again, until we're willing to be light in the midst of darkness. We're, gonna, we're not going to let the enemy define the generation we live in. We're not going to let fear define the generation we live in. I get looks from people all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Why are you talking to me? Why are you? Okay. Listen. You, you be light no matter how people treat you. (laughs) You show them Jesus no matter what's going on. You be full of hope. Because I can promise you this, when all the other stuff the world has offered runs out, they're going to see what you're carrying. Okay. Don't rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I've sat in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Can I just remind you, God is a God of the comeback. God's a God that picks us up right where we're at. You may be going through it right now. Let God lift you. Let God restore you. Maybe you weren't light like you know you should have been. Start right where you're at. Let God do what he can do. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray with you tonight. Um, we believe this message will be encouraging and timely to connect with us find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co